He has paid the highest price. He has paid the highest price. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you. Whoa. Thanks, brother. I want to encourage you to open up your elements right now. And I just got your attention with that. And uh, if you've got one of these, don't do what I just did and open up the juice first. Because normally we take the bread first. <laughs> um, we'll figure that out. The word that's on my heart for this moment right now is from John chapter 6. Where Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he's not promoting some kind of cannibalistic cult when he says that. He's speaking symbolically of himself and people putting their complete trust in him. Amen? And so we look earlier on in chapter 6 of John and we see that he feeds 5,000 people with loaves and fish. And then he has this following after him. And they're looking for physical and earthly satisfaction. But how many know that he says, man shall not live by bread alone in the natural, but by every word that proceeds from my mouth, declares the Lord. And so Jesus is clarifying that. And he says, the words I'm speaking to you are spirit. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Will you put your complete trust in me? And I feel like he's putting his... Holy Spirit, focus on a few specific areas. Will we put our complete trust in him in our future? Where he says, don't worry about tomorrow, for sufficient for the day currently is its own trouble. Will we put our complete trust in him right now, today, regardless of what happens in the future, and know that he has it? He's putting his finger, his Holy Spirit, focus on relationships where he says, love one another as you love yourself. Amen? Amen. I love you, Howie. Bless you, brother. Where those subtle things that have infiltrated and invaded, trespassed in our hearts where we look at a brother or a sister less than we used to. It's, it's not that we, can't, we don't necessarily say they're not a brother or sister, but the relationship has, has taken a hit. And, and we're not intimate and in communion with our brothers and sisters like we should be in communion with him and our brothers and sisters. He's putting his Holy Spirit focus on the areas that we should give thanks. Number one, that he gives us the privilege. He graces us with the understanding. He pours into our hearts a desperate desire to eat his flesh and drink his blood. To commune with him, be one with him, and one with each other. We can't have one without the other. And so right now, just as the Apostle Paul instructed, let us examine ourselves. Holy Spirit, search us right now. See if there's any wicked way within us any ways that we're not trusting in you completely with our future, with our relationships. Any ways, Father. The word of God says, for this reason, many and weak are weak and sick among you because 
they have not partaken in a worthy manner. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. And I'm not trying to breed fear. There's no fear in the kingdom of God. His love pushes out the torment of fear. But there is truth. And the things that linger, spirit, soul, and body, the afflictions that linger in our lives, this is a key moment. This is not just a ritual. This is not just a religious transaction partaking of the bread. This is a spiritual encounter with the living God saying, I put my complete trust in you. Whatever you say goes. Whatever you say is wrong is wrong. I turn my back from. And whatever you say to me to do right now in this moment, I yield. I surrender to you, Jesus. That which you've instructed to me, me to do in the past and I have not done, right now I repent. And I take on the truth that says, whenever I follow you, I'll be set free. Whenever I follow you, you'll lead me into your way everlasting. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart that you are taking this in a worthy manner, I want to encourage you to partake. Let's first partake of the bread. Lord, we thank you that your body was broken for us. It was broken for us. And you set the example for us to let our bodies symbolically and sometimes literally be broken for each other. As you laid down your life for us, we are so grateful. You open up the eyes of our understanding. You enlighten the eyes of our hearts. We thank you for the brokenness of your body. We also partake of, of the juice, which you said represents the new covenant in the blood, your blood. We thank you for the new and better covenant that supersedes the any power, any authority in the entire universe. We thank you for your new covenant by your blood that is for us. We thank you that you poured out your life for us. And right now as we partake, we're communing with you and we're also identifying with you and letting you pour in your sacrificial love into our hearts where we would pour out our life source and be with one accord with each other. And we will commune with each other in Jesus' name. Lord, I just release, out of obedience to the Holy Spirit, saints of God, I'm just going to release a healing over this entire uh, meeting, this entire gathering, and then as we worship, this is healings released, those listening online, it's a spirit, soul, and body healing that he's doing as we're communing with him and with, he, with each other. His light shines brightly. He pours out his promise of commanded blessing when we dwell together in unity. Thank you, Lord, for your commanded blessing in Jesus' name. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap the flesh. If your focus is on your flesh, that's what you're going to reap. Your flesh has no eternal value. If all we're looking at is flesh, that's all we're going to see. And the enemy of our souls constantly tries to take our eyes off Jesus, 
and put them on the things of this world, which are things of the flesh. Saul of Tarsus was consumed by religious spirit and destroying the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And all he could see was to destroy Christians. And then our great and merciful Lord dethroned him, knocked him off his horse. And Saul became Paul, and he put his eyes on the things of God, and he transformed the then known world with a proclamation of the gospel of Christ. When we take our eyes off the things of this world and we put them on the Lord Jesus Christ, he said in Isaiah, I will keep you in perfect peace as long as you focus on me. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us focus on you. Be our vision, oh God. Be our vision. Be our sufficiency. Be all that we behold. We look unto you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Give us strength to endure to the end like you did. Father, in the name of Jesus, I renounce any partnership that I've had with the flesh. <laughs> oh, yes. Come on, church. Break agreement with all those things that distract us. Come on. Yeah. I will not be bound by the things of this world. I will not be consumed with my finances. I will not be consumed with my provision. I will not be consumed by my job. I will not be consumed by my home. I will not be consumed by anything that does not glorify God. Yes, and amen. God, we just bless everything you're doing and continuing to do in our gathering together. You are here in our midst. In all the wonderful ways you're manifesting your presence, we just bless that. In Jesus' name. Why don't you say hi to somebody? If they're looking like they need a hug, feel free. If they say no, don't force it. <laughs> God is good. Amen? Amen. Um, I want to just give a quick um, time for our brother... Howie, to come up and just share a testimony that this house sowed into. Why don't you come up, brother? Can we bless Howie as he comes? Fellow brother in the Lord. Amen, brother. Woo! Woo! Back to you. Yes, my name is Howie Tiburon. Why? Because that's important to God, and so is it your name, important to God. And I wanted to come here today. I came here for a specific reason. 
Nobody knew that I was coming other than the Lord, and the Lord put it on my heart. I'm going around to the area churches, and I want to thank, thank you personally and give a little testimony of what your prayers did. The last time I was here, Dean Morrow was preaching the word, and I had to be wheeled in here in a wheelchair. I was two days away from death because I became septus. And I was back last year, and I was really sick, and I did not know that. And God has spared my life and has wonderfully met me during that period of time. And so over the course of time, and it's not easy for me because I was in the Marines once upon a time, and, and we're paddled to the metal. And the Lord's been teaching me about walking one day at a time, one step at a time. And so when I came in here with a wheelchair, I, I, I burn out wheelchairs, I burn out crutches, I got the cane, but this is what your prayers have done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 amen, amen, yeah. Thanks. We not only need prayer requests, but we need testimonies that God answers to prayer requests, amen? I told Pastor Josh I'll leave it short, and I will, but I want to give you a golden nugget as way of testimony. I love Jesus more than I've ever loved him before. I've been walking with him close to 50 years, a few years shy of 50 years, and I know him better today than I've ever known him all the rest of my life. And the past year has been quite a chapter in my life, and I learned something, that the trials and the tribulations and the persecutions and those troubling problems and adversities come. You want to know why they come? And this is what we do. Lord, change the circumstance. Change the trial. Tra change the tribulation. But no, nothing can come to us, come our way, unless the Lord allows it to come. So therefore, what is he after? He's after change in me. We want the things out here to change. But he brings them so that in here can be changed. And I tell you, he came to me in very dark days and dark nights when my wife was in bed. It was just me. And, and of course, I was a Marine, but... Uh, he who is semperfied, which means always faithful, he who is always faithful came to my life. And I'm not afraid to tell you, as a man, I broke down with tears. And he told me, why are your eyes upon the surgeon? Why are your eyes upon the draw, the blood draws and, and the x-rays and all that kind of stuff? And how's that working for you, son? Because I was filled full of fear, all kinds of anxiety. And he said, son, I want you to put your eyes upon me because I told you if you keep your eyes on me, you'll be kept in perfect peace. And do you got peace? No, because I took my eyes off of the Lord. I had them on the flesh. And there was no peace there. So once I, put, I transitioned, immediately, I want to say immediately, God's presence flooded my soul. And I loved that time and time and time again. So thank you, Airport Christian Fellowship. Thank you for your prayers. Hallelujah. Uh, can you just extend your hands to our brother before you leave? Father, we just bless the good work that you're doing. We give glory to you, Holy Spirit. We don't take any of it ourselves. We give glory to you for the healing. Thank you, Father, for that. Spirit, soul, and body of your son, Howie Tiburon, come into alignment with the kingdom creation design for your body, spirit, and soul. We bless all that you're doing, Holy Spirit. Complete peace complete sozo, complete deliverance, complete freedom, complete truth, love, and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs>
It's contagious. It's good to have the Spirit be contagious. It's maybe the only good thing to be contagious. <laughs> oh, last night I asked for Deanna to, uh, if she was here because last night she received a miracle as well. Pastor George, where is she? Oh, she's in kids' church. No worries. Don't worry. I'm going to give it. Uh, she won't mind. <laughs> so, Pastor George, in the course of his message, and I'm going to invite him to come up here and imminently. Um, in the course of his message, he, 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 he encouraged us and instructed us to lay our hands on ourselves, on our persons, and pray with the authority and power of Jesus. And she received healing from years-old pinched nerve in her shoulder and a foot problem, a chronic plantar fasciitis, gone, just like that. <laughs> Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit was doing a whole lot of other things in the hearts last night, too. Oh, praise God. I, um, I mentioned last night, and I feel it's important, it's significant to mention it this morning, that I was talking with Pastor George this week, and he made mention that my father, Pastor Paul, founding pastor here, was, uh, he was so grateful to my father for giving him his first preaching experience here in, this, in the States, in, the, in our house, when we were over across the river at the old church. And um, I just want to declare and proclaim, Pastor George, the blessing is ours. Truly, the blessing is ours. This is a man that oversees 1,400 churches, 2,000 pastors in Uganda. He operates in humility, but he operates in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. So would you welcome Pastor George as he comes? Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. Pastor George turned to me during the worship service and he says, this is a good place. <laughs> oh, let's just pray for him as he brings the word of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for the word that you've put in your son's heart, our brother's heart. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive everything you're speaking, everything you're showing us, and everything you're giving us through this word. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, it's working? One, two, it's fine? Okay. I'm George Samba from Uganda, Africa. I wonder whether we have some people here who have been to Uganda. How many of us have been to Africa? About ten. How many of us have been to Uganda? Two. Okay, now I have an assignment of inviting you. And uh, Pastor Josh, uh, just as you have said, we have about 2,000 pastors. And uh, every January, we have regional conferences. I hereby extend my invitation to you next year, January. <laughs> and a team of brothers from here Come to uh, and sisters, come and bless us. Thank you, Pastor George. Every one of you, whatever spiritual gift you have, can be used in Uganda to effectively bless 
the children of God. Amen. So welcome in January 2024. And I pray that the church will stand with you. And I know there are so many other brothers here and sisters who are good and who can contribute to the building of the kingdom of God. Uh, When I stand before you, I realize that I represent more than 250,000 members of my church from Uganda. There are many Ugandans who never step in the U.S. We speak 40 different dialects. We are all the same color, but we cannot understand each other. And so when I come, I represent the women, the children, the men, the orphans, and everybody. That's why, before I deliver what God has put on my heart, I want us to see some few photos here. Are you ready? Okay? This. Okay. That makes me comfortable. Okay, you see this? Got another one? Okay, we can wait for that. In Uganda, this is the work of young people. Every morning before they go to school, they will walk two or three miles to bring water. And you see, that's what they, this is what our people do. And so, as a leader in Africa, preaching from the pulpit is not good enough. You must go beyond preaching from the pulpit to helping our people deal with the day-to-day challenges. That's why we get involved in things like water provision, So that the time spent walking two miles can be utilized for other productive work. Another one? Uh huh. Maybe you can click another one now. There's another one. It's coming. Wow. It's coming. <laughs> In Jesus' name. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. This is the building that houses my church where I come from. It's a 700-seater. It's small. Oh, this is the thing here. And that's where I come from. That's my spiritual home. Another one? (coughs) 
occur. Okay, this is a, a crusade. We go out in stadiums and preach the gospel. This is one of them that we had recently. And we had probably 5,000 people sit. And I remember we got about 300 people come to the Lord. We give glory to God. And I don't want to tell you that man there. Probably Pastor Joy doing it. Okay, bring another one. Okay. Uh, this is the building that I'm constructing. We have 1,400 churches, but we don't have a meeting place. Many times when I invite pastors, we'll either hire a big school for our conferences, but I felt in January that we should put up something big so that when we invite the women, the men, the young people, the pastors, we have a central place where we can uh, meet and do our meetings instead of renting. Every time you rent a school for three days, that's a lot of money. But I have faith that God is willing to, to give us our own uh, structure for our meetings. Another one, probably the last. You go to another one. This is this one. This is soccer. You meet me doing it, you'll be excited. <laughs> Instead of going to a gym, this one is my gym. And so I don't need to go and stretch in the gym. I just go to this place and play for four. 45 minutes, that's good enough for me. Okay, bring another one and then we'll get you done. Okay. Uh, I invite you to participate in what God is doing. This is a school. The schools that were built by the English in 1960 are the same schools serving us. The population in 1960 was 6 million people. Now we are about 20. Wow. One time I was teaching in this school and my class had 180 children. Oh. One class, one teacher. <laughs> so now we as a church are coming up to our learning. Plan B? Yeah, whenever you do something, you must have plan B. Oh, that's so old-fashioned. Hallelujah. This is good? No. One? One? Hey. Plan B is always better. Okay. Uh, no, you go back to this, the, the, the students. These are classes, but I wanted the other one. Taking your child to a public school is a waste of time because there are some schools where children sit 200 in one class with one teacher. And so we have put up a program 
the Lord gave me a vision of starting small schools. During the week, the church becomes a school, and on Sunday, it becomes a meeting place. But for the girls, the school means something different because any girl above 13 years, if you are not in school, your father will donate you to another friend. So school is in one way of postponing early marriages for girls. And we try the best we can to keep them at least until they're 17 or 18. And that uniform is protection because if a girl is putting on that uniform, she's protected from many things. And so I invite you, as I preach, I pray that God will speak to you. You can help us. Uh, in fact, I brought, I have, I brought very few. I have 20 girls who want to go to school. And it's only $25 a month, or you can pay the whole year once. But I plead with you, you haven't seen a girl 13 years getting married. You would cry. Let's keep these girls in school. I have 20. And uh, when you take a photo, you take also my business card so that you can tell me the name of the girl you have taken. It breaks my heart to see some of these things on day-to-day basis when people are doing the opposite. I have written some books. Some of you have my books. The first one here is More Than Words. More Than Words means words alone are not good enough. Because sometimes you preach and somebody has a doctor's prescription. You preach and somebody has a problem at home. He's sick. Just mere words to somebody who is sick are not enough. That's why the Lord, about 20 years ago, he started dealing with me about more than words. We need to see God touch our lives. And I believe that. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit touching, healing, and doing great things. This is a good book. There's this one, The Willingness of God. This man came to Jesus and he said, Lord, are you willing to heal me? Are you willing to cleanse me? What amazes me, this man never doubted the power of Jesus. He never doubted 
the love, the strength, the ability of Jesus, but he doubted his willingness. Why? Because among Jews, it was known that leprosy was a punishment from God for the sins you have committed. Therefore, if anyone had leprosy, everyone in the village knew it was God punishing you. If God is punishing you, you don't have the boldness and the courage of demanding healing. That's why this man falls down, begging Jesus, are you willing? Maybe some of you may not be able to identify with this, but some of us who are from Africa, we have AIDS, HIV. Sometimes these people come to us for prayer, but when looking in the eyes, he's talking, Pastor, is God willing to heal me? I caused it. Because most people who have HIV AIDS, 80% is either extramarital sex or many, many sexual partners. And so when they come for prayer, they are looking in your eyes and they are saying, Pastor, is God willing to heal me? I caused the problem. Let me say this as a parent. Many times when either one of our children goes away, goes astray, when you rise up your hands to pray, a small voice says, no, you are not a good parent. You caused it. And I did a lot of research. I discovered that 60% of people with challenges have contributed directly or indirectly. It's another good book. This one is Feminine and How to Respond in Jesus' Name. Amen. So you counsel with the Lord. Are you giving us a boa hole? It's start 500. Are you paying for a child one year or two years? Are you able to buy a bicycle for a pastor? Pastors walk five miles to go and preach a message. Why am I saying this? Last week, I talked to a group of women, and this woman said, I had my mother pray for Uganda in 1970, but I've never seen a Ugandan. So the mother seems to have been an intercessor in 1970. But this daughter had never seen a Ugandan, and so I needed 20 bicycles. She gave me nine. Give glory to God. So I need about 11 bicycles immediately now. If the Lord deals with you, you'll be able to. If you take a book, it will be also a blessing. This one has no price tag. It is an appreciation for whatever you are going to do. If the Lord allows you to do anything, you just go there and pick a book and take. I believe, uh, Pastor Josh, can we use the church for the donations? Yeah, it, so make, uh, it would, a check would be Airport Christian Fellowship and then put uh, your ministry in a...
Okay. You put a check, the church, and then down you put the, you can put the bicycle, a well, a girl, school, whatever you want. Hallelujah. Okay, this morning I want to speak about a subject that I feel has been neglected. I hear many preachers, and I hear many messages. Many subjects have been addressed, but there's this subject that I feel needs more emphasis, and that subject is spiritual warfare. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that our eyes and our hearts will be open to see. May the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit be present with us. Bless the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Spiritual warfare. Is it real? Whom are we fighting? Is it biblical? Do we have what it takes to fight it? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 6, probably for those of you who don't have your Bibles, it will come on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6, Verses 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wells of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's another scripture I want to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against flesh. For the weapons of our spiritual warfare are not carnal." But mighty in God for the pulling down of a stronghold and casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If your enemy tries to hide himself successfully, then he will be victorious. Sometimes some people just neglect their enemies and they assume they don't have any enemy around them, particularly the devil. But I want to say to us, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation teaches about a presence or the presence of an evil spirit that fights against the purposes of God. Genesis chapter 3, and the serpent came and said, is it true? Did God say when you eat of this fruit, Eve accepted what the snake suggested? 
And that was the beginning of all the problems that we have today. In the time of Noah, the Bible says all the thoughts and imaginations of men were evil. When you look at Genesis chapter 12 and 13, why is God giving away the Canaan's land? From the Moabites, from the Canaanites, the Bible says, because your sin has reached my throne. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 18. It says, wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered me. What is Paul saying here? The great might apostle. And he's saying, Satan hindered me. He wanted to go and visit the Thessalonians. And he tells us that Satan hindered me. That means, if he can do it to Paul, what about me and you? When you say Satan does not exist, then there's a problem. When you read in Mark chapter 5, Jesus comes out of this boat and is met by this man coming out of graves. He cries out, but the Bible testifies he was day and night crying out. No one could bind this man. And many times they bound him and he broke the filters. The difference comes when Jesus commanded that which was upon this man. Verse 19 says, they found him seated in sound mind. Let me tell you some testimonies. Do you, want, do you love some stories? Okay. I was in New Zealand. And I, I visited this pastor. He was 48. While we were talking in his living room, he told me, Pastor George, I'm going to die in the next two years. I said, what? Yeah, in the next two years, I'm going to die. I said, no, Pastor Lane, you are joking. He said, no, I'm serious. This church that I'm pastoring belonged to my brother. My brother was so happy to make 50 years. So he invited so many friends. But as pastors know, the number of people exceeded the number expected. So he jumps into his car to go and buy more food. From his city called Taniatua, I've been there. He went to another city called Faktani, which was about 20 miles away. He drove beyond 80 miles per hour. When he was coming back, the car turned four times and he died. Those who had come to the party to celebrate 50 years... They were the first one to start mourning. 
he died on the real day. And he told me this. In our family, no man goes beyond 50 years. And he said, to my, the best of my knowledge, I have never had any relative who is a man above 50 years. And when he said this, the anointing and the power of God fell on me and I grabbed his head without permission. And I started praying and praying in tongues, praying and praying and casting out every demon and breaking every curse in the name of Jesus. After about 20 minutes, I said, Pastor Lane, you are not going to die. Then I flew from New Zealand. I went back to Uganda. When it made 50 years, he was diagnosed with a very rare kind of diabetes. And he wrote to me, Pastor George, you can't believe it. I have, the doctors don't know what to do with me. My kind of diabetes is rare, they don't know what to do. And I wrote back, Pastor Lane, it's better to have diabetes than to die, than dying. <laughs> I said, praise be to God, you have diabetes, you have not died. After five years, Pastor Lane writes again, Pastor George, my leg was cut off. Now I have one leg. I said, Pastor Len, praise be to God. You had better, it's better to have one leg than dying. <laughs> Pastor Len died at 59. At 59, he died. I went to meet the widow and the family. And I said, you know what? You young men, if you walk with Jesus... This curse on your family has been broken. Your father was the first man to cross 50. You will go beyond 50. You will go beyond 60. You will go beyond 70. Pastor Lane was bound by something and the whole family. And I believe there are some families that can identify with the issues from the great-grandfather to the grandfather, even to their lives. You want another story? <laughs> okay, I went back to New Zealand. I, I commune between the U.S., Germany, and New Zealand, and other countries. So I have many stories from those countries. Now, my, my friend who organizes my visit made a mistake. One Sunday morning, he organized that I should preach four churches. So I preached at eight, and it was these power anointing services where you pray for more than 100 people. Then at 11, I had another church, preached and prayed for about 50 people. Then at four, there was another service. I preached and prayed for another probably 20. Then at 6, probably 6, 7, 8. The service starts at 6 and the preacher is invited at around 7, 8. 
And they invited me to preach. And I was sincere to the brothers. I said, you know what? I don't have a word for, from, from the Lord for you. Um, my head and my heart just empty. I have nothing. And I said, well, if I have nothing from the Lord, let me suggest we talk about the devil, demons. Let each one of us bring his experiences about the devil and demons. And people started raising up their hands. And they would describe their experiences with demons. Oh, I was in Nigeria, demons, 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 demons. I was in Congo, demons, demons. Philippines, Haiti. And then after listening to about eight people, I said, what about here? Then they looked at each other. Demons here? Demons here? And I said, are you Bible-believing believers? Are you among those who don't believe that in New Zealand there are demons? And they looked at each other and they said, "Mm." (laughs) And they meant that demons are in Congo, in Nigeria, in Haiti, in those countries, but not in New Zealand. Then I said, in the name of Jesus, I pray the Lord will reveal this to you. Before the word came out of my mouth, the man who was standing in front of me jumped up. He started jumping like this at the fastest speed. Then he fell down and he started crawling like a snake. Let me tell you, those chairs were as big as these ones. This man crawled with such power and four lanes of chairs were on his back. By the time I opened my eyes, everyone had run out of the building. (laughs) And I went at the door and I said, please come back. No one would come, including his wife. So about five people came back and I said, okay, let us help our brother. And we said, now let, let us sing a song. You say after me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come out, come out. And the brother woke up. I said, what happened to me? Yeah, he said, you don't know what happened to you? He says, I don't know. Where are the the people here? I said, they are in the yard there. They ran away. (laughs) Spiritual warfare is fighting, engaging in a war against unseen forces of darkness. Satan, demons, satanic agents, and evil forces. The battle is different from physical wars because you don't use flesh and blood, you don't use physical uh, weapons, It's spiritual. You cannot get a gun and shoot a demon. You cannot get a gun and shoot somebody who has a demon hoping that you'll help him, you'll kill him. And so it's spiritual. We are fighting spiritual unseen agents of evil. 
The challenge we have today in this generation, everything must scientifically be proven in order to believe they exist. And so because our scientific mind has been so diverted, we don't believe the existence of demons. Because you cannot put it in a test tube and prove it. No wonder Satan is getting more success today than ever before. Our generation is disregarding the existence of demons and evil forces. When somebody's blind, there's a obvious problem. When somebody cannot make money, it's bad economy. When a marriage breaks, there's a problem in their relationship. When somebody has addictions, okay, probably his upbringing. When somebody cannot function well, depression, and many others. Let me tell you, I was invited in Rochester, Teen Challenge. And they invited me in this office. There's a manager and some of these officials, maybe some of you are familiar with Teen Challenge. I went to this place and uh, they started telling me what happens there. They have files. Every one of those boys has a file and a doctor's report. And they were telling me, this young man, this is what happened. This one, this is what happened. There were so many files. And they were reading through. And I said, okay, what about the possibility of demonic influence? They said, oh, Pastor Joy, demon, demon. And I said, what about the possibility of some of these young people having demonic influence? What about being a spiritual warfare? They said, okay, we don't know. I said, okay, let's go. So they organized the service. These young men, they are young, energetic young men. They worshiped Jesus and they praised God and the preaching came. And the anointing of the Spirit of God came on me. Words fail me to describe the kind of demonization these young men were so bound that we had to take about one hour delivering one by one from these demonic forces. And I called back and they said, okay, we have at least four. We are trying to see whether we can let them go. At least from them, were completely delivered, and they were talking about releasing them. Demons exist. Jesus believed that demons are real, and the evil force is real. That's why he prayed, I pray for them that you might keep them from evil. John chapter 17, one of the prayers he prayed, he said, Lord, I pray those that you have given me, you might keep them from evil. That means he's recognizing that this world has some evil force. And it's sin. Our eyes cannot see. 
This is what Hebrews say. He came to destroy the one who has power over death. That is the devil. The opposing force is working today and is changing and manipulating many things. Just look at your television station. Just open your television. You'll see. Sometimes I don't want to look at my Facebook. Some of the things they send me, I don't want to look at them. Satan is given many names in the Bible, but I want to give you three. Number one, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. And marvel not, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14. The devil does not come the way we were taught. For me, for those of you who are 60 years and above, you know this. Before the coming of movies, people literally came on stage and did the, did the movie. We saw little people doing the movie on stage. That's about 60 years ago. And this is what I, I, I remember. They played Jesus and the devil. So they would dress this man playing the role of the devil with horns, with these many things. With this, we used to call it face mask. They would put on a face mask and you would see the long teeth and the long nose and then you oh yes, that one is the devil. Then they would dress this one representing Jesus very smart, in a smart suit, looked very wise, understanding. And so as children would say, when the devil comes to me, I'll very quickly know. Because this is the way he dresses. When Jesus comes to me, I know he's smart, he looks wise, so I will know. But that was a lie from hell. The Bible says the devil is transformed as an angel of light. The devil comes with good ideas. Wise proposals. No wonder some of these have been adopted even in our school system. Just go to the store at Target and see how people... Subscribe to such things. Have you visited Target recent? The store? What they sell? And what they believe? The devil comes like a light. And some people have welcomed him. He comes with much reasoning. And people say, I can subscribe to that. And many have been taken. Our schools have believed it. Our children are being taught that. It's only recent that many of us parents knew what our children are studying at school. Because previously we never minded. But when COVID hit, we were told to teach some of our children at home. So we're able to look at what they are studying. I couldn't believe what they are studying. 
Are you a man? Man, woman, I don't know. I will tell you when I'm 15 and the rest. How could this encroachment enter a school syllabus? The devil has come like light. I was preaching in one of the countries and uh, just as I do, I introduce myself and my wife has given me an assignment. I must talk about her. So I talk about Beatrice. And so this is what I did. I said, I am George Insamba from Uganda. I am married to Beatrice and she's a woman. After preaching, the pastor ran from his seat and grabbed me and said, Pastor George, what did you do? I said, I did nothing. He said, what did you say? I said, I said nothing. You said your wife is a woman. I said, is it a mistake? (laughs) Hallelujah. The devil comes with ideas that seem to be light, promising, good, acceptable. But the Bible says he comes like an angel of light, but carrying darkness and death. Number two, the devil is a temper. He tempts us. He causes you to do that which is wrong. There's a force outside of you. It's a force. It might not force you, but it will force you by giving you a false idea. By making you believe what is wrong. He tempts many. Even Adam and his wife were tempted. And they accepted. And so they died spiritually. The Bible says the devil is a deceiver. He deceives, convinces men to subscribe that to those things that are not of God. The devil, the Bible says, is the God of this world. He's present and working. And your success and breakthroughs are proportional to your dealing with demons and demonic forces. Because they're there working and trying to fight you in whatever you do. God has given us sufficient spiritual weapons to fight the devil. We are able to fight back when the devil comes. In Acts of Apostles chapter 16 verse 17. And this he did for many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out. And he came out the same hour. And when the master saw that the hope of getting gains from her was dead, they caught Paul and Silas and took them to prison. There's this girl. She walked behind Paul. 
These are the men preaching the way of the kingdom of God. And she did this many times, but Paul was grieved in the spirit and he said, this is not God. So he turned around and commanded, in the name of Jesus, come out. The Bible says the spirit came out of this girl. She could no longer do the divination. Where was the spirit? In her cloth? In the jeans? Inside. One of these days your neighbor might have a demon. Because there's things some people do, I wonder whether they are truly doing them in out of their understanding. I was in Cornell University recently, and the professors tell me, you know what, Pastor George, every year we get one child commit suicide. How does somebody in his normal senses Walk to this, they, told, they took me to this place where they normally jump and fall. I said, how does somebody in his normal senses jump to die unless there's something wrong? There must be something wrong. Life is sweet. You know, recently somebody took me to this place with the best ribs. You love ribs? So I ordered for a full rack. <laughs> and you know, I was just taking these ribs and I said, life is sweet. Life is sweet. How does somebody decide to put a rope around his neck and die unless there's something wrong? Demons are real and they're working. And I don't think those people who commit suicide are by themselves. There's something behind that. You know, there's a couple that came to me for counseling. They had some issues. And I did something that all wise men can do as leaders. I said, you know what? I'm busy. I don't have enough time for you. But you come back next Sunday. And I said to the lady... Come back with your album. You know albums? Not these ones on tablets, but the real physical album. And so she came with it, not knowing what I was going to do. So I pulled out some of the photos, and these people really took many photos. When they were dating, the wedding, after wedding, and all the celebrations, and then I said, you see this? Was it you? He said, oh, pastor, it was me. Then I said to the man, were you the one carrying this girl? He said, yes. I showed them seven photos, and they started crying. I said, do you realize something strange has come to your relationship? Do you remember kissing this girl for five minutes, just good on her lips? How is it now that this is coming between you? It must be something foreign. 
You know, this man had carried this girl like this. And I said, no, no, no. This one. And the man was weeping. I said nothing. And I said, let, let me pray and cast out this thing that has come before between you. And we prayed with tears. We prayed and wept before the Father. And I commanded the Spirit to go in the name of Jesus. They are still kissing even today. Sometimes we need to recognize the spiritual dimension of those things that happen to us. Yes, we accept and recognize the role of our professionals. But sometimes you need to recognize that there is another force that cannot be put in a test tube to be checked. Neither can the computer help us. You know what? This woman said to me, George, you are my savior. And I said, I've never died on the cross. No, Pastor George, you are my savior. I said, what? Let me tell you, Pastor George, I had determined to walk out of my house. But that day when he showed us the photos, I went and put the photos on my bed. Every day I look at this photo when this man is carrying me and the emotions and the joy that took place 25 years ago come back and I forgive him and I will stay in this house in the name of Jesus. Acts of Apostles chapter 8 verse 7 says, For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice, Came out of many. What? Is this a hyperbole? No. Came out of many. Spirits. Can you give us this? I want to read this and end my preaching. Acts of Apostles chapter 8 verse 7. If you can. It says, For an killing spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed with them. Many, many, not few. Many people have these spirits in their lives. And some of these problems that we have could be because there's a spirit there. Some of our physical problems have no scientific and medical explanation apart from a spiritual explanation. Let me give you another story. One day, I, I think it was moving to the third heaven. It was a vision. It was a dream. But I felt it was so real. I found myself walking to this big auditorium. Very big. And as soon as I stepped in front, I was face to face with Satan. Hundred times the size of an elephant. More than a hundred times. So huge. I tried to run. And then a hand came from heaven. Grabbed me. Brought me back. I was again face to face with the demon. With the devil. I said, okay, running to this side is impossible. So I ran this side. So I started running this side. And a hand came from above, grabbed me, brought me back. 
And I said, now running does not help. But then, I don't know why it happened. I remembered my pastor preaching on a pulpit that the name of Jesus is powerful. So I said, let me try that. So I commanded, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. And I said that ten times. By the time I said it the tenth time, he was as big as my finger. And he flied away through the window. And I said, Lord, why did I need to speak many times? I know the name of Jesus is so powerful. But why did I need to speak so many times? And the Lord told me, you haven't gotten the lesson. The lesson was, I wanted you to know, George, my son, I wanted you to know that whenever you command anything in the name of Jesus, something happens. Because I remember whenever I commanded in the name of Jesus, this thing shrink. Until it was as small as this and flew away. So whenever we use the spiritual weapon, the name of Jesus, the Lord taught me this lesson. Whenever you speak to all forces, all situations, whatever is going on in the name of Jesus, oh, something happens. And that's what we are going to do today. We are going to speak. To every situation, whether it's a disease, whether it's something at home, whether it's a situation around your family, we are going to speak in the name of Jesus, and I want to assure you, something will happen. Because this is what Paul said. He said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, and the demon went away. Let me tell you, we can fight our enemies. Don't just say, okay, it's the economy. No, some people are making money. Do you want to say everybody's missing out like you? No. No, every marriage is failing. No. Some people are stuck there. 46 years, 50 years. Don't just generalize that all things are like that. No. No, you know, there are so many girls. No, some are getting married. Don't generalize. Speak to the situation in the name of Jesus. And I believe something will happen. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me say the last story. There's a family I know. They had six girls. And I know... Those who are not married, close your ears. You get the first girl, you get the second girl, the third time you start saying, I will shoot different. I want a boy. And a girl comes. Then you want another one. A girl comes. That's why they made six. But all these girls are grown up. They got married. Right now, as I speak to you, all the six girls are widows. 
And each one of them lasted with the husband three years. And each one was left with two children. How do you explain this? Six widows of the same man. Each one with two children. My biblical interpretation is there must be a curse. There must be a spirit following this family. One of them is so young, 26. The oldest is 43. They are all widows of the same mother, of the same father, in the same house. Don't you know that some people have challenges in life the, the challenges follow from the father, the grandfather, the great-grandfather. They all had the same challenge. If you want to know what's happening with you, look at your father. Look at your great-grandfather. Look at your grandfather. Sometimes it's an issue that's flowing from them to you. Those are some of the issues that we fight in Jesus' name. And I promise you, we shall break that bondage today in Jesus' name. We shall break it. I believe it. And there's one person, one of you, I don't know who you are. I saw you at night. You are standing in front of a huge rock and you wanted to push it. And it wasn't going. But then something happened. It's as if somebody called you on a phone. When you listened, when you pushed again, the rock started moving. And I'm saying, could, I, could it be this message today? That is the telephone call from the Lord. That is telling you, after listening, after hearing the word, after knowing that you are able the rock in front of you shall move in the name of Jesus. It will move, and I believe that. May we stand up in Jesus' name. Yeah. This is what we are going to do first. Because if you are, you want to see what God is doing, you start with yourself. I'll request each one of you to, when you are praying, to set yourself free. You just put your hand and command anything that you might think is disturbing your life in the name of Jesus. If you think there's something that's following you, that's came upon your life, that is fighting you in the name of Jesus, you will command it to come out in Jesus' name. If it's a disease, you will command it in the name of Jesus to come out in the mighty name of Jesus. If it's, a, it's a, a, an economic challenge, financial challenge, it's a challenge in your house, you put your hand on yourself and say, this is a devil and I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of me. In Jesus, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, I command any spirit, any force of the evil one, all powers of darkness in me, I command you right now.
it's a disease commanded to come out. It's an issue that is unspokeable. Commanded to come out. You have the power. You have the authority in the name of Jesus to command that disease to go away in Jesus' name. You have what it takes for you to have victory over that. If you use the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Whether the challenge is here with you, whether the challenge is at home, whether it's a challenge at the place of work, whether it's something that follows you, whether it's something that was upon your mom, it's something that's haunting you. In the name of Jesus, there is sufficient power for that demonic force to leave you in Jesus' name. It must go in the name of Jesus. And I command every spirit, I command every kind of bondage in the name of Jesus to leave you right now in Jesus' name. Just command it. Mention it before the Lord. Put your hand and command that disease in your life in the name of Jesus. It will go. Some of you might need to command today. You may need to command for a week. But I want to assure you, the Bible says when you command in the name of Jesus, something happens. Something will happen when you speak in the name of the Lord. The Bible says the name of the Lord is powerful. In Jesus' name, I want to lay my hands on the following people. If you are here, if you have a chronic illness on you, chronic illness, you come in front for some laying of hands on you. There are some of you sleep and have bad dreams, wrong dreams. And there's another class that I saw in the spirit, those who fail to sleep. Bad dreams, failure to sleep, and addiction. Number five, those whose challenges can be traced to your fathers, to your mothers, and to your family. If you, if you fall in the class of these five, chronic disease, chronic failure, to get a good sleep bad dreams addictions and those that challenges seem to be rooted in their line maybe in your parents we will lay hands on you in the name of Jesus and I want to encourage even if you don't have faith for it just come for me I have faith for it yeah you, you just come in front in the name of Jesus I'll just lay my hands on you, and I believe the Lord will help you. Maybe the worship team can do some song as I lay hands on some of these people, and I will pray. Because the anointing, the fire of the Spirit of God is in the house. I want to say to you people who have come, I want to assure you there is an anointing on the pulpit here. There is a fire on the, here in the name of Jesus.